everybody, and welcome to episode one of season one of Habs Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Seligman. I have a YouTube channel called Talking Habs, and you might know me from there. You might not. You can go check it out and see if you like it. I do Habs content on a daily basis, and hope you enjoy that. My partner for this podcast is Patty Mack, who is not here today because he is sick and cannot talk, and we needed to talk about things. Well, I, I needed to talk about things, so the show must go on, and here we are. So uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of things, all concerning the Habs. I want to talk about Kale Fleury, Jesperi Kokanyemi, and uh, possibly Ryan Paling, the demotion. Now, Fleury and KK... That's Kokanyemi's uh, nickname. Uh, were demoted last week to the AHL, which was a good thing. It was good for them. It's going to be good for their development. And I believe Ryan Paling is going to go down there too. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, um, you know, the uh, trade deadline is coming up pretty fast, February 24th. And um, there's so much talk about uh, the Habs. What are they going to do about Thomas Tatar and Jeff Petrie and Ilya Kovalchuk and less or so about uh, Marco Scandella, who they just, um, Kovalchuk and Scandella are brand new additions in the last 10, well, it's more than that now, uh, but they're new additions to the team. And uh, there's so much talk about um, trading them and seeing what the return could be, get picks and assets and blah, 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 blah. So I want to talk about that. Um, I also want to talk about, if there's time, I want to talk about what this team will look like with this lineup when they're healthy with the additions of Kovalchuk and Scandella. And can that team make the playoffs and do some damage and win a series? So, on that note, let's get right into this podcast. So, Kale Fleury and uh, Jesperi Kokanyemi. KK were demoted to the AHL uh, Val Rocket uh, within the last, um, I think Fleury was a little over a week and KK was just a few days ago. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, well, there's two camps on, on, we're going to, on, on Jesperi Kokanyemi, there's kind of two camps about whether he should have been sent down or he should have been given more playing time and stayed up here. So either you wanted him sent down because they're ruining him and Julian does not use him and he needs more playing time and all that, or you want to see him stay here, get the more playing time, have Julian fired so he can get a coach who knows how to use him and all that. There's kind of two camps. Usually most people fall one side or the other. Uh, for myself, I was on the side that wanted to keep him here. I didn't want Julian fired or anything like that. But I thought he was better off to be here for his second season and develop here. But he wasn't getting enough ice time. And then it came down to uh, last week when he was a healthy scratch for two games. And in that, like in that time frame after the first game when they were going to uh, scratch him for the second, my thoughts were. They changed because if they're not going to play him, if he's going to be a healthy scratch, going to sit in the press box, what's the use of that? He's in his second year. He's 19 years old. He needs to play hockey. He doesn't need to watch hockey from the press box. He needs to play hockey. He needs minutes, and he's got to get that somehow or he won't develop. So I had put out a video 
um, I don't know if it was a review or a preview, but I was talking about it, and I said, at this point, it's time to put him down in, uh, with the Laval Rocket. He needs to play. He needs to play on that first line center, get ice time, have the puck on his stick, and learn. And then I put out the video, and like 10 minutes after that, I was on Twitter to see what's going on, and boom, there's the announcement. Montreal <laughs> sent Yusperi uh, Kogunyemi to Laval. It was like, oh wow! So they listened to me. I'm, I'm the greatest. They, I know it. It's, it's not true, but that's what I felt like. And so that's what happened. And I, I was happy because I think it's the best thing for him. As a matter of fact, after the first game, now he said this for a reason, but he had said to the press that it was his favorite game uh, since he's come to Montreal. Is had the most fun playing and all that. And it got put out there as like a snub of Montreal and all that by the media. But the truth from what I heard was his parents and he had family here come from Finland and watch the game and they were in the stands. And that makes a lot of sense. He was number one center. He had a decent game. And it makes sense why he had such a good time is that his family was there. And I think he, too, knows that that's probably the best place for him. He'll get more ice time. He'll do all those things that I just talked about, and I think he knows that. So I think also at the same time, I think Ryan Paling is in the same boat. He's on the fourth line playing with Thompson and Wheel or Cousins or whoever. He's not getting a ton of ice time. He's not carrying the puck a lot. He's skating up and down the wing, doing this and that. It's He's not developing. He needs to go down there. And with the soon return of uh, Jonathan Drouin uh, into the fold, you got to think that uh, the, for Paling to crack the top three lines is just going to get harder and harder. So uh, why keep him up here again to either sit in the press box, which he did miss one game, or to just continue not playing a lot of minutes, not getting the puck on his stick, not developing, not learning? As um, a, a lot of these, uh, I, I want to credit Brian Wild, who I've credited before in my videos. Uh, he's a writer and he's a podcaster, um, and he follows the Habs, and I like a lot of what he says. And um, he made a point about, he's a teacher, and he said, one thing you learn as a teacher is you don't learn by not doing. So in other words, if you want to learn and develop and whatever you're trying to learn and develop in that, you have to do at some point. Yes, you can watch and you can be told, but at some point you have to get out there and do. And these guys were not getting that opportunity to do and learn, to do and make a mistake and learn from it and stay there and keep learning. If they made a mistake, they got sat down usually or something like that, or their ice time was reduced, and it's not helping them. So they need to go down there to Laval. They need to play big minutes, and I hope Palin goes down there and he's put on a line with KK because there was definitely some chemistry between KK and Paling, and they should develop down there, and hopefully both of them will come back at some point, either this season or next season, probably most likely next season, and we've got something there that we can use going forward that's going to be great. So I think that this was a good move. I am not against it. I'm not angry that they're doing it. I'm not saying they wasted a draft pick by picking Kokanyemi and then having him in Laval. He's 19 years old. 
He's 19 years old. He's young. They're calling him a bust. A 19-year-old kid is a bust with the talent that KK has, with the potential that KK has. So I don't get that. He's not a bust. He just needs to be in the right place to develop, and that right place is Laval. Um, another, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit Brian Wild here, but he makes a lot of sense what he says. This when these guys we're gonna talk about Flurry KK Paling, what got them to the position that they are today? That means a high draft pick, and got and even have played in the NHL already at their young age. Those skills that they uh, that they had on display that made the scouts look at them that made them be drafted and signed. Those skills need to be showcased, or should I say, they need to be developed in the AHL level. And when they can do all those things that they could do in junior and for KK in Finland, when they can do all that down in the AHL, well, that's when they're ready for the NHL. That's when they're truly ready for the NHL. There's lots of other players recently. You can name a bunch of them. The most recent one I know of is on the Edmonton Oilers. And I'm not just getting this from Brian Wilde. That's his favorite team. Um, I was reading about this just the other day that uh, Yamamoto, um, I think it's Kyler, something like that, Yamamoto. He was a high draft pick, uh, big expectations came up, and they didn't do that much. They sent him back down to develop. And when he's come back up this time, he the difference is there. And he looks ready. And he's putting up the points. And that's what these guys need to go down. They need to go down to Laval. And they need to prove what they, what they can do, prove who they are, have Joel Bouchard develop them into NHL players. So I, for one, I'm happy with that. I'm good with that. And, yeah, that's all I can say. So we're going to take a break for a, just a quick little short period. And we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back, and I would like to move on to Thomas Tatar, Jeff Petrie, and Ilya Kovalchuk. I'm not going to include Marco Scandella here because I don't think they're going to trade him. And, um, yeah, it's mostly, mostly because of that. I think he's made a good addition here. I really don't think there's any reason to trade Marco Scandella. You're not going to get a huge return for him. We just got him. He's helping. We're not trading him. I'm, I'm sure of that. So we're going to talk about, um, do I think that they're going to actually trade Tatar, Petrie, and Kovalchuk? I'll start with this. Um, Mark Bergevin has already come out and said that, um, we'll go. We'll talk about Carey Price from Weber for a second, that he won't be trading Carey Price and Shea Weber because he wants them to mentor the young players going forward so they won't be traded. And pretty much the talk's stopped about whether they're going to be traded. He also said at the same time that he wants to remain competitive while they reset the team, not rebuild, reset. And he wants to remain competitive to do that. Another good point is how safe is Bergevin and Julian's jobs if they miss the playoffs this year and next year? If they miss the playoffs next year, 
I'm of the mind that I I think that his job is saved. Bergevin, Julian, I'm not so sure. But it's a, I think that's my opinion. I don't know anything. But let's say if he was any other GM in any other team, they missed the playoffs this year in the situation that they are. They've already missed the playoffs a few years. And then next year, though that coach and GM are definitely going to be fired. They're going to be let go, and they're going to go in a different direction. That's, like, guaranteed. So is Bergevin really interested in trading Tatar, Petrie, and Colby to get back first-round draft picks or second-one draft picks or a combination of first and seconds and others, depending who we're talking about? And um, which, if... Is that going to really help them be competitive and make the playoffs next year? No, a first-round draft pick does is not. Even Alex, maybe an Alexis Lafreniere, you know, you get one of the first two, but that's unlikely they're going to get that. Otherwise, a first-round draft pick is going to help you. Yes, down the road. And even then, it's not 100% sure, but if they are going to help you, it's going to be down the road. So it's not going to be that they're going to help uh, these picks, these trades that he'll make aren't going to help him keep his job. Like, that's almost a guarantee, so why would he do that? So unless the trade that we're talking about that actually he moves to Jeff Petrie, if it's not because it's a first-round pick, one of their top prospects, like there's a sure thing, or one of their roster players that's going to come here and actually help us to go into next year and make the playoffs, unless it's a ridiculous offer of that kind of, of that nature, I don't see at all why he's going to be moving to Tar, Petrie, and Covey. He wants to keep his job unless he knows for certain his job. I'm talking about Mark Bergevin now. Unless he knows for certain that his job is safe, even if he misses the playoffs for the next two years, he is not going to make trades that are solely going to help his successor. Because at this point this year, making any trades – He's not getting any prospects or anything back that's going to make the playoffs for them. So that's not happening. And if he's getting draft picks and assets, he's not. that's not going to help that, the team next year going forward to make the playoffs and signing free agents, big-name free agents, or anybody that wants to come to Montreal. That doesn't happen. Nobody wants to come to Montreal because the media is crazy. So... I don't see how they're going to trade these guys. Everybody wants them to go, and they've got to go, and you got to do it. And if you want to stay competitive and sell tickets and maybe have a chance to make the playoffs and do something, you can't do it. And he said he wants to make he wants to be competitive and hopefully make the playoffs next year. So I think he's as much as Mark Bergevin shows his hand, he's showing his hand. So, I don't think they're going to be any big moves at the trading deadline. I think, yes, Thompson could go, Wheel could go, Cousins could go. Maybe a small move to improve the defense. You might move a Mete, you might move a Kulak, bringing somebody better back. That I can see. But as far as these big names, bringing anything big and getting that first-round draft pick, the number one pick overall, number two pick overall, I don't see that happening. Unless he's getting an absolutely ridiculous offer. But then who's going to give that ridiculous offer? What GM is going to do that? Only maybe a GM that is also in the same position, Bergevin will be in next year, that he has to do it to uh, save his job. 
I, st I still don't see it happening. So, I don't see any big moves. I don't see any big moves coming at the trade deadline for Tatar, Petrie, or Covey. Does that mean for sure it's not going to happen? No, of course it's not. I don't. I, that doesn't mean anything. Who do, who am I? But they said they're not in a rebuild, but they're in a reset. So trading everybody for assets does not work when you're in a reset. That's when you're in a rebuild. You break down the team and you start over. And that takes another four, five, six, seven years. Nobody knows for sure. Bergevin has not ever said that that's what they're doing. When you reset, you move some pieces, which they've done. And you take on some new ones, which they've done. And you try to draft as good as you can and make sure that that pipeline is keep feeding you new players that they can come in and have a couple of years to develop and then start contributing. And then every now and then you get one like Nick Suzuki. Yes, we didn't draft him, but we're good trade. We got him. He came in here his first season. Nick Suzuki is one of those, one of those guys that will not play in the AHL. There's no need to send him there. He's found what he used to do in the OHL and juniors. He's found that he can do that here. He hasn't been able to do all of it yet, but he's been able to do quite a bit of it. And as he plays more, more of it will come out. And Nick Suzuki is an NHLer, and there's no doubt about it, at least in my mind. So there's no rebuild. There's no big trading away. There's no getting big uh, tons of draft picks and assets and this and not stuff that's going to help you directly right now and next season. So I say that's not going to happen. That's my hot take. <laughs> it's not going to happen. There's not going to be any huge, huge moves at the deadline. There will be small things like he normally does, but this is basically the team that's going to go into next year. The one place that I do think they're going to go after something is a backup goaltender. They must find a backup goaltender. I think he's going to try to find one at the trade deadline, and if not, during the offseason, for sure. Okay, I'm going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back to close it all out. And we're back. And I just forgot. I wanted to actually add this point on talking about the you know, three players I was talking about. And that's on Ilya Kovalchuk. I fully, well, I shouldn't say I fully, but I mostly expect that sometime in the next, well, the trading deadline is in 20 days. So sometime in the next, say, 18, 19 days, <laughs> I guess in the next two and a half weeks. I expect them to re-sign him. I don't expect him to be unsigned going past the trade deadline. So if they're going to keep him, they're going to sign him by the trade deadline. That's my hot take, another hot take. Okay, so what could this lineup look like with all healthy bodies with Kovalchuk signed for next season? And I kind of think when we get Jonathan Drew back from his wrist injury, I kind of think that's that's what you're going to be seeing mostly. We've got, we always had, well, we always, in the last two years, we've had this number one line of Tatar, Deneau, and Galley, and that's intact. We have since developed a number two line that is dangerous, that can, can, can break open a game, that can get a goal any time during a game, and that's the number two line of Nick Suzuki with Kovalchuk on one side and Armia on the other. This line has given the team so many more options. It's, it's changed 
the the whole outlook that you would have for next season about whether or not this team is a playoff contender because with two solid scoring lines, you can't focus on that first line. Because if you're focusing to shut down that first line, you're leaving that second line open to be dangerous. And then when Jonathan Drouin comes back and you add him into the top nine, and I say the top nine because right now I think he'd slot in on that third line um, with uh, Max Domi and uh, Lekkinen. I think that makes a good combination. Domi and Drouin have had uh, chemistry together already. And Lekkinen, he's just that smart two-way player uh, that plays that he he'll he'll make up for Domi's lack of defensive awareness. I want to say, so I think then you have three solid lines that can be dangerous on any given night, any one of them, or any combination of them, or all of them, and that means that a team, any of their opponents, they can't key in on any one line. It makes them dangerous, it makes them capable to make the playoffs, and it makes them capable to actually win a series, and maybe even more, depending on how things go, and who gets knocked out, and who they have to uh, play against, when they make the playoffs. So that's why I think keeping Kovalchuk makes a huge impact on this team. He wants to stay here. He's been heard to say that he wants to interviewed. He said he likes it here, and he's really interested to stay here. I don't know his exact words, but that's what I take from it. So this is a, a team that can the team make the playoffs and do some damage and win a series? I think yes, if they can stay healthy, if they can get a backup goaltender that can actually come in here and win games and be consistent, if they can fix that hole on defense, that one piece, that mainly one piece that they need to fix. If they can do these things and get a stud on defense, get a good backup goaltender, have everybody healthy, this is a playoff team. A playoff contender, maybe not a Stanley Cup contender yet, but this is a playoff contender if they can do those things. So, yes, I think that next year they can make the playoffs and do damage, but they need to keep their players intact, resign. Kovey, re-sign Scandella, get, another, get a stud on defense. And I do mean a stud on defense. That is one thing they're missing. They need a stud, another stud, a bit better stud than they've got right now. And if they can do those things, then we have ourselves a team that will get to the playoffs, and then anything can happen. And then as the pipeline comes through and the players develop, and this team gets better, and then you have your Stanley Cup contender. And that's how I think it's going to go. Okay, so I've talked your ears off. I'm going to end it right here. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I'm hoping next week we'll have Pat Patty Mack in the saddle to take his first uh, go-round in episode two of season one of Habs Coast to Coast. It's Coast to Coast because Rick me is in Montreal, which is kind of the East Coast, and Patty Mac is all the way out in BC and Kelowna. So it's coast to coast, and Habs fans are coast to coast across Canada. So thanks for listening to this episode one, our first episode of season one of this podcast. So for Patty Mac, I want to say thanks everyone once again for listening, and peace out. La 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 la
la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la la